Hello, this is a, a depressed Finney doing the podcast. I'm joined with a QPR legend and two QPR fans. Nal Rogers is back. Are you all right, Nal? Hey, Paul. Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Okay, over the frigging moon, like. I've had so much fun the last weekend and Tuesday, I just can't control myself. Um, yeah, anything after Saturday is just like a bonus. So Sunday was nice, and <laughs> Monday was nice, then Tuesday was dreadful, and then Wednesday was nice again. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know that feeling. Safa, you all right? Sa- Safa Mitchell, for anyone. Is it- no, I said that wrong, haven't I, Safa? You have. Michael's fine, Paul. Absolutely fine. Uh, okay. Whatever. Anyway, how's your life apart from QPR ruin? Yeah, same. Not not, uh, not enjoying it at all at the moment. Not one bit. Do you know what we could do with? We could do with a Clint Hill, couldn't we? All right, Clint? Things can't be that bad, lads. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. You'd be, have you seen? Have you seen any QPR this season, Clint? Um, very rarely, very rarely. Um, obviously, I, I keep an eye out for the scores. What I'm so busy with is what I'm doing at the minute with Stockport that um, it's very hard to to keep up with other clubs, you know. But um, I look for the score every every Saturday, Tuesday, whenever we play. Um, and yeah, I can understand why you're frustrated, lads. I'm the same. I'm going, wow, again, really. I know. So, I, don't, yeah. I, I just can't put my finger on it. I mean, it's it's like the trouble is, you know, Warburton was let go, Bill was brought in, and you know we, we had um, Lee Hughes in the pod last week who was who had COVID, so it wasn't probably, and I should have probably pulled it because it, he wasn't well. And, yeah, he, he didn't do himself justice on the pod justice. But so it, the trouble with QPR, Clint, I always feel that. Everyone wants to take the credit for the good things and um, accountability for the bad things. Everyone's looking at their feet. Um, is that a fair that's enough thing? That's an interesting comment because um, just before I came on the pod, I was thinking, what is going wrong? And I think for one, if you're a proper successful elite football team, you need accountability. And that's from every department, every department. It doesn't just matter on the players and the manager. It's got to come from everywhere because everybody affects what happens on a Saturday. So everyone's got to be accountable. If you don't do your job correctly, then you've got to, you've got to prove that you're worthy of it or you've got to get out the door and get someone better in. That, that, that's just the, the, the nature of football. Um, and for me, uh, recently, I, I think it's, it's more the managers getting the stick. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but everything, no, no one else is getting any kind of uh, grief or no one's coming out and, and speaking and supporting or uh, it's just sorry it's just interesting that you said accountability because that, that was in my head before uh, and with every successful team I think everybody's got to be accountable and the, the other thing is I, I'm going to bring Dal into this one the accountability we're talking about it's also are we throwing people under the bus as well in front of the bus and at the back of the bus as well because it just seems that no one wants to responsibility for it going wrong. Also, the manager's been hung out to dry stuff and rotten. All right, his record's terrible. We know that. But you'd think somebody that appointed him maybe would try and help him. Over to you now, that was. Yeah, no, I was picking up on that. I mean, I'm just kind of... I mean, at the moment, 
it's you know what are we one win in 16 is it 17 uh, 17 yeah um you know critchley's got one win under his belt he's got a host of draws and a few losses and yeah i mean it's the same team that we had playing Watford away. Uh, Watford away. It's the same team again. You know, Reading at home. Same team. Team of Bristol away. You know, it's a team that can play well, that can win. Um, you know, even kind of recently, December, we beat Preston, and you know, everyone put in a good fist of it. It was like you know, it was it was a team playing together. Um, you hear, you know, you hear things. Um, the interview that Loft Words did with Les last week and you hear him talking about kind of you know people being individuals and doing individual things and not working as a team but then even even then that's hanging the manager out to dry isn't it because that's basically saying he's not doing what he should be doing he's not doing what what needs to be done to bring them together but you know it's as much on the players as it is on the manager it's not you know under the last, what was it, five games under Beal? I don't think we had a win. Um, so, I mean, you know, you chop and change the manager all you like. We've still got the same players. We've still got the same hierarchy. We've still got the same infrastructure. We've still got the same malaise around the place that seems to be going on. I mean, you know, from, you know, the way that the, they talk about kind of improvements to the stadium and the way that they talk about kind of, you know, growth or any work in the future it just seems to be a malaise that's bled through to the players and the players don't see this as anything with a future either those are too many loans perhaps now do you know what I mean and too many injured loans Safa on say well just we had had a quick chat before I did Safa saying it's the first time since when you've chosen not to go to a game with a choice yeah, so for me, since Bosingwa was at right back for us, the last time I said I'm not going, <laughs> you know. So I think <laughs> look at Clint's face. Um, no, so I, you know, Reading for me, away, personally, I've been to every league game home and away this year, apart from. Two. And you live in the other way. Yeah, and I've never, you know, last year when we were, you know, we had that horrible run. I never looked and felt I don't want to follow them. I don't want to support them. I saw you, Port Swansea, that last game of the season. They had nothing to play for. This feels different to me. You know, I, I cannot, I can handle seeing us lose. I, I can't handle seeing us phone in performances like that, you know, and um, it kills me. So I, as I said, this weekend will genuinely be the first time since 2013 I've chosen not to go to a game. Um, I just, I don't, I don't like following, seeing them play like that. But, you know, um, I can't do it. But, um, what, what are the attendances at the minute? I hope they hold it up. I mean, the, the moment, but the, the uh, on Saturday and Tuesday, Tuesday was shit. Tuesday, yeah, was shit. they were holding up was... until Saturday. Then Tuesday it was up, a yeah. bit tired. But once that second goal went in, it was like watching a non-league football. God forgive me for saying that to anyone that goes non-league. But the ground was it did empty. That's the other thing. Fans are just going, Clint. You know what Rangers fans are like. We're loyal. We don't, and we don't expect glory because we're just, you know we just don't get that at our level. We don't. But you can't con fans, can you? Effort, ability, and countability as we keep going on about. See, one of the reasons, Clint, and this is what I want to ask you about as well, is it was fired at Warburton. The reason why he was not um, kept on was he wasn't playing enough youth players. But 
since then, the youth players that he wouldn't play have either been released, sent out on lawn, or sitting on the bench. I mean, that's that's an interesting way of getting rid of someone. And then when you when you look yeah. at when you look at Mark's kind of managerial career, if the players are good enough, you'll put them in. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I had Rangers for a year, um, and we had a good few youngsters there. He put them in the team, so I don't think he's he's not putting them in for a reason. You know what I mean? He obviously mm. thinks not good enough, and that's the manager's job. If he doesn't think a player is good enough to play and perform at the level he requires, then it's simple. He doesn't play, and he lives and dies by that decision. Um, so I'm surprised by that, but I think Mark has been proven in. in previous jobs that if the young players are good, you play and you can be trusted. So there's something, there's something, I don't know, uh, something going on there communication wise, I don't know. Mm. I mean, you, yeah, you, I, mean I found it staggering that we, yeah. yeah, I found it staggering when we got rid of him. It was, um, I felt kind of unprepared for it. It didn't seem like, you know, it was a bad kind of end of the season, but it was all in all, you take the three years, you take even just that, you know, last season, it wasn't, it wasn't horrific. And, and I think he'd improved us as a team. He'd improved the way we play. He'd made it really, you know, I remember bumping into Paul at a few away games and just like, this is so much fun. It was like, you know, every game was, you know. I've never had fun in my frigging life. I don't know who you were bumping into, but it was was only my long lost brother. <laughs> well, no, I was saying to you, I was having a lot of fun. I don't know if you were. I wasn't. I didn't care. No, I see how much your freaking paint is here. Um, you, the thing I found out, which is weird, it's interesting what Clint said there, Saf, about the youth thing, because one of the things that was aimed at Mark was he didn't play youth. Youth won't get their chance. And if that happens, then it's going to be harder to have this development team business model that QPR have got, but we've sold two players in eight years to Premier League teams. So what's your take on that? Yeah, to be fair, following on from what Clint said, I think, you know, this this thing about him not playing players, and I think he probably didn't do himself any favours when we went to, was it Stoke, where he put five players on the bench or something? None from the academy. I think that, you know, maybe the writing was on the wall from there. But I think that... I think, to be fair, sorry, stuff. I think... We fell off a cliff in January, so I'm thinking they won't have negotiating contracts. If a manager's not getting his contract negotiated in January, he knows he's off. Sorry, yeah. Seth, I just yeah. Uh, all I, all I meant was, in, you know, when you actually look at some of the players that he did develop. I mean, if you look at Bright, how he came on under Warburton, he was a reborn under Warburton. Manning, I know we didn't necessarily get a huge amount of fees for them, but if you actually look at the development, Manning as well was was fantastic under Warburton for a period. Eze, I don't think you could have had anyone the manager. He was obviously destined for the top and away. But I still think you could look at them and see big improvement in terms of them. I wouldn't say any of them players. You know, if you look at what we've had probably over the last few months in terms of our permanent players, there's not been a huge amount of times actually, even over the last few years, that you'd say you can see progression. I felt every player moved forward under Warburton. That was my opinion. You know, it, even the younger ones, not kids, but, you know, your Bright, Cezes and Mannings, they, they came on. They didn't regress, mm. you know. So it's a tough one. You know, as you said, maybe personal differences or communication issues, like Clint said, but I, I, I didn't think he did a bad job at all, personally. Well, that's, that's one thing Mark Mark did do. It was a safe environment. The, the 
training ground and the way he played and the way he wanted things done was very safe and it was a it was a kind of a, a development kind of place to go. So the young kids will, will, will thrive off that, no problem. Um, obviously, the older ones, you know what I mean? Sometimes they, they need something a little bit different. They might need uh, some of the old school, but I think generally with Mark, the way he he, uh, he creates his environment, it's a very safe, very development um, phased way and he's had success off it, you know? So, yeah. Sorry, sorry. If... I believe that if, if Mark thought they were really, really good enough and they could be trusted and they can start every week, he would have played them. Well, this, this is what I want to throw back at you a wee bit, Clint, because obviously you're an assistant manager now at Stockport, who is the kind of club that QPR will be looking at players. And I don't mean to be smoke, blowing smoke up your arse. Is you, I wouldn't say we're achieving, but you're doing sound yeah. with very, 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 very little resources. But crowds are coming back, the atmosphere is coming back, the clubs begin to thrive again but you're in between giants of clubs so how hard is it to have like a category two youth set up or be whatever they call it these days when when because you don't get because we're spending i think millions a season on our youth set up and the people running it but teams seem to be coming and taking their best players for peanuts so uh, i think the catchment area around where obviously qpr some of the clubs premier league clubs uh, there's so many dotted around that area that it's it's a hard job to get the players in, unless you're mm. unless you're pretty much guaranteeing them, I don't know, pro contracts and and a, and a pathway into the first team. Um, it's very hard because the Chelsea's, you no know, teams like that can just come in and offer these kids. I mean, stories of twenty grand a week for eighteen-year-olds, giving families jobs, and you know what I mean. It, it's it's very hard for these kids to turn that down. Mm. Um, so we are a fighting an uphill battle. On that, on that mark, and, and same as we we are because we got we got Man City, we got Man United, uh, Liverpool, Everton down the road. So I mean, it, it's hard to get these kids because obviously they see the, the big lights, the big teams. Um, they get spoiled off them big teams, you know. Some of the presentations you must put on for these kids has probably just changed their minds. Um, so it's a very it's a very hard place at the minute, I think, academies, especially for teams in catchment areas like QPR and, and obviously ourselves. Because the thing is, you've got to wash your face, haven't you? As an academy, um, as a, you know, you've got to, for instance, you've got to sell, if you're spending three million, you've got to make four million, pay the wages plus make a million on top. That's So if you're doing that and clubs are just taking players for like 100 grand here, 50 grand there, it's so difficult. And then Brentford, of course, did away, they did away with it and did a B-side thing. And it's really sad because I'm old. You know, I'm probably the oldest one here. I know Niles had a hard paper round. Um, and <laughs> and like you kind of remember when youth was decent, Clint. Like when you were growing into football, like you know, you, you, everyone had a decent youth set up. Now it's it's so flipping hard for you. If it's not like the youth teams of old, is it? It's it's completely changed. Yeah, everything has. Everything's changed. Um, I mean, the systems we had were A and B teams. So I, I can remember my I think my first ever reserve game I played against uh, Tony Yaboa and Wallace that was my first ever reserve game 18 years old at Prentice right. Park and I'm playing against Tony Yaboa and, uh, and I think it's Rob Wallace I think Wallace yeah unbelievable strikers that's my first ever little glimpse at reserve team football and it was like that every week you'd be playing against top pros and there was something on it win or lose because it's a league to league format um, and, and you just learn from that you learn from those those errors that you made 
because you'd have a old centre half next year. You'd get a little bit angry with you if you made a mistake, <laughs> and that that's just the way it was. You learn you learn your trade from playing against really good players for and against under twenty three football. Boring. It's boring. Everyone plays really? the same. It's all possession based football. Everyone's doing the same thing. Not really asked if they win or lose. It's don't head a ball properly. It's you know what I mean. I don't know what they're building. They're not they're not building what I call footballers. I think they're building trying to build players for that first team for that specific club, but they're not building a player for League One, Championship, maybe League Two. So if you're not good enough for that club, where do you go? Where do you go? Because you, you, haven't, you haven't developed as a player. You, your only system you know is for that club. How many clubs play that way? <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're not developing footballers for me. So how, so how is Stockport doing it with, with the youth setup? Are they just... Well, we're, we're, really, we're really at the beginning stage because we've come up from National League last season, yeah. so we didn't have one. Um, so we're just starting fresh now. Um, so we're really, really early stages um, of, of, a, of an academy, um, but big plans. Um, I'll just pick up on you said there, we are a well-supported and a well-funded club mate now, to be honest. The chairman is, is really back the team. Um, he's looked after the manager. He's given everything he needs. Uh, Training ground in, in plans, good stadium, stadium mm. developed, hopefully in a few years. But along with that comes pressure. So we've got to perform as coaches, managers. Accountability. Accountability. So if you're not doing your job correctly, then you're going to get pulled up to the main man and he's going to, he's going to ask you questions, which is the way it should be. Is, is there a crossover between the youth team and the first team? Like, are certain coaches from the youth in with the first team and vice versa, watching games and stuff on the dugout. Um, so, so, so they'll come up maybe, I don't know, maybe once or twice a month and um, come up and watch the lads. We always have uh, probably, let's say two or three, maybe four youth players up with us most days just to fill out the squad and, and help their development as well. So there, there's a pathway at our club for that. Um, a few of them have played games, cup games. A few of them are out on loan now. Um, so it's something we're keen to do, but again, they've got to be good enough. They've got to have the right character. They've got to have the right attitude, because when you step into first team football, it's a it's a big bad world out there. No, actually, it's well because what I've noticed at Rangers is that there's some of the youth coaches are actually on the bench for first team matches as well. Is that unusual? Or is that a new thing in football? Yeah, I've, I've, I don't know. I don't know. Can't answer that question. I've never experienced that since I've been involved on this side of the game. Um, they're more than welcome. They're more than welcome to come and help training. They're more than welcome to view training. Um, dive into our systems, our system of play. We're always helping them out with that stuff, our training methods. Um, but no, no, I don't think we've ever had one on our bench on a Saturday. No, have you noticed that? Against it, <laughs> you know no. what I mean? It's just never asked. What do you What do you think, Nell? Yeah, no, I did think I saw. Um... Who was it on set on uh, Tuesday? Was it Tuesday night? Paul Hall. Well, yeah, Paul Hall. I thought I saw him there. I wasn't sure. Where it's, it's all the way away in the loft. Cycling. Is Paul still doing the um, 23s? Yeah, but he's also sort of like helping with the first team and on the bench as well. Right, okay. Um, which is, I've not seen before. And I'm, I'm just wondering if... if the trouble with Rangers is that everyone's looking around. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm talking about this because it's something I've never seen before in, in many years at football. You know, because I, I thought it, I'm old-fashioned. I'm thinking youth, youth, 
first team, first team. It seems that Rangers are trying to mix everyone up. So everyone's a little bit involved in every other thing. And it, I just don't know if that's going to work or if, if it's a new thing or we try and something different. I, I don't know. What do you think now? Well, we need to do something different, don't we? Um, but whether that's the answer, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, we do have a youngish team. We're certainly our team, the average age of our team is certainly below the average of the, of the league. Yeah. Um, but with that, they are very, very lightweight. They are very timid, quiet. I don't know. I mean, you just notice the difference with um, seeing someone like Chris Martin come along and, you know, we're, um, you know, standing right behind the goal. He came running, charging down the keeper, shouting, screaming at him. No one else has done that. Everyone else kind of, you know, has a little run and sort of runs towards the keeper to encourage him to kick it. He's screaming his head off as he's running towards him. And, you know, he's, he's fouling defenders rather than falling over and hoping to get a foul. It's kind of, you know, you see, you see players like that come along and there's such a marked difference to the way that our settled team, I guess, play. And I it's don't know if that's, you know, I, I don't know if that is here or there, or if that is an effect or not. But, you know, definitely you see when we play teams like Preston or Middlesbrough or Sunderland, like the way they're after the referee, the way they're going about things. The dark arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> even dark arts. Making sure everyone knows you're there, isn't it? You know, I think the ref thinks there's only one team on the pitch half the time. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good point. What do you think, Safa? Yeah, it's... Are it's... too quiet? <laughs> no, just listen, it's, it's an interesting... I mean, on that, Clint, just out of curiosity, because when we... We've had this, I think, a lot of QPR fans said for years about our team's very quiet on the pitch. We seem to be that way. Do you... I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think because like some people will say, well, that's kind of like an old school view. Football's changed. Football's different anymore. Mm. I know you probably would disagree with that, but no. Um, the game's got yeah. The game's got quiet. <laughs> Dress rooms have got quiet. Uh, even that's like from my my few years um, in leaving and being on this side with the clubs I've been at, dress rooms ain't the same. They're not the same. People don't really talk, communicate. Everything's on the phone. Um, and it can be hard for older players who, who've played the game in different environments uh, to kind of accept that because I've always felt that quiet teams don't succeed. You can't. Quiet teams can't succeed. I, I don't understand why people don't talk on the pitch because it helps your own performance. It keeps you switched on. And more importantly, it helps to make next year the game becomes so much easier and it's the easiest yeah. thing to do in football, really. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm like that at times because <laughs> I keep saying it. I keep saying it every day. Um, some take it on, some don't. Um, and it's, yeah, I think there's a leadership void. There's a leadership void. Mm. No, no I do wonder really... as well with the, with the behind closed doors with COVID, if kind of some felt self-conscious because, they could be heard, and if it's broadcast, everyone's going to hear what they're saying, and if that quieted them down a bit. I mean, one interesting thing I noticed was with the way that I remember 
you know, under Warburton, we used to be really strong at coming from behind. If we conceded first, we would always get another goal. Sometimes we'd win, sometimes we'd lose. But it was, you know, it wasn't kind of a guaranteed losing position. Then during COVID, that entirely changed. And when we conceded first, actually, we didn't do that well. But then again, season after COVID with Warburton, back up to kind of, you know, I think we've got 20 points from losing positions. Actually, we did quite well during COVID now. We won, yeah. I think, home Well, no, but when we lost, when we conceded first, we didn't, we only got, I think, was it 10 points or something from losing positions in that season? Flicking those stats in the room. <laughs> season after, it's 20. Why are you not trying to, I like numbers, I like exactly well, you're I want to know why it's going wrong. No, that I brings me on. So this sort of thing brings, you know, comes into that, I think. See, this is this is what worries me, um, Safa. Um, there's a lot of talk of protests. There's a lot of talk of, you know, everyone out, everyone out. Um, kind of a bit like 1970s Britain. There was nothing wrong with the 70s. I was <laughs> young then. It was good. I had her. Nothing wrong with that. Um, living in Belfast was a bit dodgy, but hey-ho. Um, and I am worried because I think we've got to be very careful because I don't know the owners. I, I You know, I don't... don't don't have any relationship with him, but I do worry that there's someone out there who's not going to buy this football club and then what happens to us? Because we have to be very... Not them saying we shouldn't sack anyone, we shouldn't change things, but it does worry me the debt that we're in and the amount of money that it takes to run because they're always saying they're having to put millions in no matter what. What do you think? Do you think it's time to protest? It's time to shout loudly? I mean, what, what do we do to change things as fans? This is, I think, the with us, you've got the social media world and then you've got the real world, if you like. I mean, at the weekend, there was a little bit of, in the corner of ground where I sit, 50, 60, maybe not even that, maybe 50 fans maybe signed, sack the board and everyone around just kind of laughed almost, thought nothing of it. And yet, you know, that died down pretty quickly, to be fair. You know, it kind of didn't really get any traction at all. Yet you go on the QPR Twitter, I don't know if you've seen it, but under the post for the Rotherham tickets, it's, you'd think the whole 100% of the fan base is turned and they all want the owners out. So, you know, personally, I'm like you, Paul, I don't quite understand, you know, I think it's 1.8 million, if I'm mistaken, that they lose every week or they put their hands in their pocket. I don't know yeah. how many owners they'll be queuing up to to take that on. Um, and even if they did, you know, I think you could maybe say about the direction of the club with the, you know, director of football and things. And, you know, maybe that, you know, there's questions to be asked there, but you can have the richest, wealthiest, most ambitious people in the world with financial fair play. It makes no difference. <laughs> you know, this lot have shown they will go there if they can. That was kind of what put us in this mess in the first place. So I, I don't understand the the kind of bored out things that kind of every, every, everyone to their own, but it, it astounds me. It really does. There's a lot of money at stake. And there's also, I guess, if no one comes in, then what happens to QPR? Do we exist? Because football club, it used to be 20, 30 years ago, people said, oh, football clubs don't run a business. Well, tell, tell Berry fans that, you know? And Coventry, I've had the moment, and they're similar size to us. Uh, before I come to Nal, who's a numbers expert and will tell me exactly if I'm panicking for the right reason or wrong reason, or I've got it completely wrong, and they're actually here to... Um, still land the wrong way round. How did you find the owners' clip when you were at Rangers? Did you find them fairly decent or...? Yeah, um, I mean, is Amit still 
Amit's yeah. still around. He's yeah, still he's still Amit. chair, yeah. Yeah, Amit was top boy. Amit was different class, different class when we came in. Um, obviously, I think I missed uh, Bernie and Flavio. I think I missed them. I think I got a few months of them and then... Obviously, they decided to step back a little bit. Yeah, because they, uh, they made Amit chair and then he brought Warnock in. And yeah, then they took yeah, a step so back, yeah. And the only real, real kind of person I met from above was Amit. Um, he was absolutely top draw. Who loves QPR? Who loves QPR? Um, and I can't see him leaving that club in, in any kind of situation, you know what I mean? Because he will try his best to, to do well by the club. Um, Tony and uh, the rest of them very briefly met them every now and then um, but I wouldn't say I was close to, to, to that kind of hierarchy when I was there I think other players were um, but I didn't see that as my job I mean my job was to, to try and get out there on a Saturday or a Tuesday and, and get some results you know what I mean that, that was my job I couldn't really worry about people upstairs uh, and that, that's where I, I just think um, players have got to take responsibility as well, man. You know what I mean? It's how many managers have come. Come on, you, you've got to pull together. In, in even if, in spite of a manager, if you don't like him, you hate him, you still turn up as a football team and get together and try and get results. If you like him, even better. Then you get extra motivation. But there's been numerous times where, in spite of a manager, we try to go out there and perform in the right way, and it's worked. And even when we love our manager, we've done the same. So I think players have got to look at themselves and take responsibility as well, because that, it can't just be the manager. That reminds me, I must come back to you about Mark Hughes in a minute, Clint. Um, <laughs> now, now um, the um, who's who's the new American guy that we? So, uh, so yeah, this is what I was going to get on to. So what was that? It was about God. It's got to be about a year ago now. I think um, Tony, uh, Tony Fernandez and he had a partner that he owned shares with through QPR Asia, they call it. They sold some of their shares, of which Amit bought some, so upped his shareholding to back up to 10%. He went quite, he, he was quite low at one point. And then this yeah. new guy, Richard Riley, came along, 12% of the shares. Now, it's kind of, you know, what one to say about the owners is as much as there's an element of better the devil, you know, there's an element of kind of, you know, we know that they're committed. They have put in tens and tens and tens of millions of pounds into the club, which they are not going to see again. They've converted most of it to shares. They have, you know, a bond, I think, equal to the amount of the bond that the fans hold for the training ground as a kind of, you know, you pay half, we'll pay half kind of thing. And, um, yeah, and then on top of that, if you're, you think financial fair play, you're allowed to lose 39 million over three years, that's, you know, just over a million quid a month that you're losing. That has to come from somewhere. So they, you know, they they are mainly um, Ruben Nardawan who's putting the money in. Um, but, yeah, this new guy, Richard Riley's come along with a little bit of fanfare, claims to own a football team in the US. I've spent a few hours looking for him. Just when it was first announced, who are you, what do you do? He's got a very brief like LinkedIn profile. For someone, you know, most people who have a lot of money have a social media presence of some sort. 
they're promoting their business, they're promoting their life, they're talking about their children and how many Ferraris they bought them or whatever. But they're doing something. This guy, nothing. Absolutely nothing. So it's kind of, it, it's weird. It's weird that he's here. It's, it's kind of asked the question, why is he bought in? What does he want to get out of it? What does he see as his investment here? And then also the fact that neither Lee Hughes or Les Fernand have even mentioned his name either. As someone who's, you know, he's not put an inconsiderable amount of money into the club. So it's, it's a weird one. And I think, and this is the whole thing with if you, you know, if you're trying to, if you're not happy with the owners and you want someone new, I'm not saying he is, because I don't think he is. I think he's probably on the up and up. They will have done their due diligence. Amit's not an idiot. Ruben's not an idiot. They've made money doing honest hard craft. So, or their dads did, either way. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, um, but you know, you get some, you get some right shysters in football, and you see it with we know. You know the owners of various clubs, people who are trying to buy clubs that who's it, Kirchner who tried to buy Derby. The FBI have now got him up on wire fraud for thirty-eight million dollars. You've got, you, you know, you've got some so just people who just want the attention and are doing it to get their name out there for whatever reason. They're not people who have any good intentions behind them. They're not people who want to see a club succeed. They're not people who want the best for the fans. Whereas at the moment, I think we've got owners who actually, although they may may not make the best decisions all the time, they certainly have good intentions at the moment. And they certainly are putting in good money into the club. They're doing some good things. The safe standing was a great idea, whether that came from them or from Lee or whoever, but it's still something they had to invest in the money they had to pay. Training ground, all the facilities around there. They're trying to make things better, but something's not working, is it? Well, but it's not them. That's the thing. That's the point, really. It's not them that isn't working, I don't think. I mean, the trouble is, it's yeah, it's 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 not. By the way, Clint, how did you get on with Mark the other day? Did you did you uh, cross um, the the dugouts and shake each other's hands and thank him for everything he done for your QPR? It's like we never met. Unbelievable. Don't know. You're kidding. <laughs> no, no, no handshakes. A few words were crossed during the game. Um, all part of the football banter, eh? So <laughs> I say our relationship is still icy. Are we talking? Are we talking iceberg or like ice ice baby? Some of the things he said, yeah. I think we've got a bit of work to do before we get back to uh, mates. Did, did you notice that though? And all, all joking aside, though, Clint, when Rangers started bringing in these big agents when you were there and these big players and everything else, did you see the kind of the change in the club as a bad thing? Obviously, it was because we, we, like the single coming in and all that malarkey was was just awful. And it kind of, as a player, you, you, it must have been soul-destroyed to see all the hard work you guys did to be wrecked by these people. Yeah, it's frustrating. I've, I've spoke a lot about it. Um, it was just hard because seeing good people go, you know what I mean? Like good, good lads who you've mm. been in the trenches with for a number of years who could still do a decent job 
at that time, I think, especially when you think of the players that were brought in for the fees and wages that they were on. They're very questionable. <laughs> Not the right characters, for sure. Um, and it was it was a soul-destroying place. It really was. Because you, you, you kind of built something with a, with a great team spirit and, and a good manager and the culture was strong. Everyone was pulling together, which it doesn't seem to be at the moment. So again, is it a culture thing? If people ain't gelling, then what are people doing to make them gel? Mm. Sometimes, sometimes you've got to change mm. something. You can't keep doing the same thing. So who, who's in charge of of the culture and the environment? Because it sounds to me that something needs shaking up there. What's the daily standards? What's the daily habits of the place? Is it sloppy? Is it good enough? Is it is it elite? I don't know. I've not been there for a while. Um, so all those things, for me, your culture's got to be strong. If, if you want to be successful, your culture's got to be strong. Um and it just doesn't look that way at the moment for, for, for me. I guess I guess from the outside looking in, it seems to be there's a lot of shouty people at the club sometimes when things are going wrong and maybe not praising enough when things are going right. Um, I hear a lot of that. I have no idea because I can imagine someone like the now retired, not retired, get retired, almost retired, now back in business, Neil Warnock, would be the sort that would bollock you but at the same time, be able to take you to one side and make you feel like you're 10 feet tall. Yeah. Maybe when I haven't got that, I don't know. Definitely. I mean, well, you've seen him. You've seen him speak the stories he's, he's told. Um, I mean, to get the best out of out of Adele, which was a masterstroke, and he, he, he had to go and probably do something that he hasn't done before in his career. He's had to change his attitude and his the way he thinks to, to get the best out of this player, which was Adele, and it was the right thing to do. But again, he made sure that everyone beneath him and underneath him knew that the main target was, we need him on board, so let me deal with him. You control everything else and leave him. Don't, don't even upset him. Don't talk to him. Let me do that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a masterstroke. It's a masterstroke, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. The armband, and like we, we all nearly dropped dead at the time. when We said, <laughs> what the freaking hell are you doing? But again, but the way he explained it and the way he went about it, it was to get the best out of him, and it was a master stroke. So, but did that as you as a group? Did you um, did you not? Did you feel kind of like pissed off at all that there was someone being put on this pedestal, or did you see the greater kind of aim and the greater oh, prize? The communication, the, the communication was spot on by the gaffer. You know what yeah. I mean? He, he pulled in his so-called players that he knew he could rely on day to day and, and week to week. Obviously not the most outstanding players or eight or nines out of tens, but lads who would turn up and do a, a six out of ten every week and do the horrible stuff. He made sure that they were they knew why he was doing it. And it was a master shock. It was a master shock. So very, very good management. Very good management. And again, you can't really argue with it. He was controlling the culture. You know what mm. I mean? So it's 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 communication, accountability. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening next. I'm not in the dressing room, which is a frustrating thing because you can <laughs> get a better idea of things and you can help people along. Um, but yeah, just just going off what you lads are saying, it's quiet. It, it doesn't look fully committed. Hmm. It seems to be a bit fractured in and around the the, the ground, the training ground. I don't know. There seems to be people in and out of the place. A lot of negative stuff at the moment. You know what I mean? It it, it just doesn't look right. So. Someone's got to stand up. Someone's got to be the leader. 
who upsets people, who tells people the truth. And someone's got to get this club together because, you know, don't don't even want to think about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, because going back to the money side of it, um, Nal and Safa, my worry is if we go down, bigger clubs than us have struggled to get back out of League One. It is, I mean, it was bad enough when it was all Division Two. But feck me, it's a it's a league and a half now. It took Sunderland years to get out. Um, mm. Wednesday are still there, or well, maybe not for much longer. You know, it's a basket case of a league, isn't it, Safa? I mean, I, I I would worry about us us if we went down there. Yeah, I, I mean, they always used to historically say the championship was the one, didn't they? But you've, I think, with the championship, you've got a little bit of a, you know, you you can still attract a certain type of player or. League One, like you said, there's some giants in there. Giants. I think that is that's a horrible league if you ever end up there to get back out of. I like you, I dread that. I, I must say, I do think, as negative as I feel, I do think we've got enough in the tank to see us over the line. I, I might be saying a different thing in another month's time, but I don't. I don't think we'll go down. Nine points, running isn't it? close. But yeah. yeah, I must say, you, you think as well, looking over your shoulder, aren't you? Big time. Yeah, you think as well. League One, they've got. You know these salary cap rules and everything as well. You look at Sunderland last season had a wage bill just about half of what ours is. It's, it's, a, so, it's a, tough, a tough league. It's a tough league with some clubs that were were Premier League teams not a long time ago. Um, yeah, yeah. Nipswich have have recruited well, spent a few quid, and they're another team down there. And it's it's a hard oh, yeah. it's a hard league, um, and there's no easy games because. Uh, got it. As soon as you come down and you're a big club in that league, people want you. People want a bit of you. So if you're not right and you're not 100 percent ready for every game, then it's, it's going to be a slog. But let's well, not even think about that. Let's not even think. It's all going to turn around. It's all going to turn around. Come home, Clint. <laughs> come home. Help us out. We need you. I mean, it's, it, it is scary, like because you kind of. I mean, I don't say. Listen, you look at the night. Like you were in the National League last year. There's some frigging money in that as well. Like every, there seems to be money in every level of football now. There seems to be someone waiting to get in the coattails of a team that might be. I don't know if you know this. I mean, it was in. It's a very badly kept secret, but Wrexham were run by film stars, apparently. So they say. I mean, I've never noticed it. Never put it over PR. Um, and we had one of um, Rangers on Tuesday, didn't we? Had we had one on Tuesday, um, yeah. What's his name? Farrell. Will Farrell. Will Farrell. Yeah, Will, yeah. Was that Wrexham? The, before that wasn't he? he went to the uh, Wrexham game and then he's come down to QPR wasn't he yeah. I think and he was at Liverpool Everton as well was he? a man city <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit weird I mean oh I don't know Clint I mean glory days of Wembley and you know um, watching you guys recover from hangovers after we went mm. up in 2010 you know and all this sort of thing it's just it's a million miles away because we are a decent club. I mean, Ali Fallen's coming back in a few weeks to do a, yes, an evening. Yes, yes, yes. And like a hugely underrated player. I don't care nice. what anyone says. He should. He's another one that I would have kept the club a wee bit longer as well because yeah. I don't think he got credit. What a player he was. He was you know? even you even know? To, Even with the injuries he had, even with the injuries mm. he had, he still got back to an unbelievable standard of playing. Determination. Yeah, no, never scared, never scared to go into challenges and just oh, oh. played so smoothly as well. Frightening, frightening player, unbelievable mm. human being as well. You, you cared about the club and cared about the environment, and 
his, his daily work ethic was up there as well. So it wasn't just a a pretty player to look at in terms of football wise. He got stuck in and he done the hard yards. Um, and he could play guitar. Oh well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he could make a coffee as well. Make a coffee. Here, did you did you hear? Like, I mean, obviously you know Sean still. I'm sure you're still in contact. That was a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting for him to ring me. <laughs> so yeah, I've dropped him a few messages. Uh, he was at the game, money. He was at the game. He was. Yeah. I mean, that was. So. I mean, that goes back to what you were saying. He's obviously got some of the palace lads to one side and said, "Hey, you know, badge, shirt, seriously," and they've kicked him out for making a statement that they didn't think was good. That's that's yeah. That's what I'm saying. It, it's a different dressing room now, isn't it? So, I mean, God, just tell. Just tell people the truth, man. Isn't that the way it should be? Rather than exactly. dance around the block and go behind your back, just tell them the truth. At least you know where you stand. I'm sure the way you put it, it's all passion and it's about the shirt and it's about pride and it's about working hard, which is, freaking hell, it's a given. You shouldn't be upset at that. But that's like any job, isn't it? Of course, of course. If you want to get somewhere, you've got to work freaking hard. It's as simple as that. Um yeah, I'm gutted for him. I'm gutted for him. Um, be interesting to see where he goes now, to be honest. He's a good lad, Sean. He's, he's top man. He's a top man. And I, I think he, I think he'd, he'd want, want to be a manager again, definitely. Definitely. I remember when you two came down for the podcast. It was a very good evening. Oh, but, my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good evening, yeah. Good being Last thing, you were walking in the wrong direction towards the hotel. We had to point you the other way. <laughs> Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it, lads. Not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> but that see but you know what you know what I think now and, and, and Saf and I'm not just saying this to blow smoke up your hole Clint but you know I look at that team and I think we're talent with skill but we had honesty mm. and I'd like to think the players are all honest they don't go out to lose games they don't go out I mean Jimmy Don was giving it us all Field will give us all Chris Martin to be fair was giving us all he's yeah. only just turned up you mm. know it's it's a strange one that I just I don't I, I can't even put my finger on it. But you, the trouble is, and this is where I'm thinking of the um, recruitment um, now this season. It's been a wee bit weird, hasn't it? I mean, you got like uh, Richards, who I think we're going to sign at the end of his loan spell. I could have got that wrong, but I thought when yeah, he I came, we were going to sign him. Choice, I think. Yeah, yeah. And his injury record is pretty poor. Clark Salter talked to all the Coventry fans. Brilliant player, never fit. Four year contract. Never fit. Between him and Richards, I haven't played that many games. Roberts, don't know what's happened to there. Willett comes on and pulls a hamstring, whatever. Then you had Stefan, who came on on Tuesday, who seemed to just think to himself, well, I'm not playing, but... And if they hadn't scored, we'd have probably been sent off because that was robust. I was going to say about that, there was a few players that looked like they were wanting to be suspended. Um, I don't not. know if you noticed Jamal. I don't know if you noticed Jamal Lowe. Um, well, he got a yellow card for time wasting when we were one 0 down, and then every time the keeper ran past him, he put his arm out to try and grab him to stop him playing the ball. You're right. I've never it seen was, that before. It was bizarre. A yellow card for time wasting when you're losing—that's a first, yeah. even for us. Even Bestingwood didn't get that done to him. He was a gobshite. <laughs> but Clive did a brilliant, um, I don't know if you saw Clive's um, comments on or the, his report after the last game. 
but he did a thing he brilliantly worded where he said we've been wanting them to just put something in for weeks and they've not laid a glove on anyone and then it seemed like suddenly we're just going to start throttling players left right and center it i honestly come out thinking they were trying to get sent off sounds ridiculous yeah. i i thought i thought that's a ridiculous thing to say but now you've said it now clive said it i thought it a lot of people thought the same thing it sounds ridiculous but i yeah Middlesbrough away. Yeah, yeah we were talking about it on the way out after soon. I mean, I, I've never, I think, three or four times this season I've left after a goal's been scored. And after that third goal went in, I wasn't hanging around. And uh, I was waiting outside for my mate talking to his son and my son. And it, yeah, they were just like, what was going on? Because mm. no one wanted to play. Any, like, they just, rather than pretending to be injured now, they're just trying to get sent up. Yeah. They did a bit of both. I mean, Steph did it against Millwall, didn't he? He sort of pulled up again, um, walks off the pitch, and then he's fit enough for Tuesday for the bench. Then comes on, then tries to decapitate the the the, the player. So that I mean, what does that say to you from the outside looking in? Obviously, we're not there. We're, we could really guess, but if if you were sitting in the sidelines watching that as an assistant manager, what are you thinking? I don't. I don't. I don't. It just sounds. It just seems to be a lot of madness going on. And nonsense going on, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. Somebody just needs to get hold of it, man. And I don't know who that is because somebody needs to stand up, start telling some home truths. I think um, in the right way. Um, players have got to take responsibility as well. Let's be honest, because no matter who your manager is, you, you represent the football club, and they they pay your wages. So you have an obligation to go out there and, and give your all. Um, and if certain players ain't doing that, then they shouldn't be around the place too long, to be honest with you. Because Flynn, do you think that has to come from the dressing room, though? Because in terms of well, in terms of the home truth, because Critchley has yeah. done both things. He's had some games where we've been terrible, and he's come out and really backed them. And I thought, wow, I, not the game I saw, but fair enough. Yeah, that's the yeah. way. And then other games he's come out and he's pretty much thrown him under the bus more than once. And we don't see any change. It doesn't yeah. seem like they any get a re- reaction out of it, and whatever they do. That, that, that's that's a worry for me then. Um, I think, I know there wasn't too much fanfare about Martin going in, but maybe, yeah. maybe he could be the catalyst because he's a seasoned pro. He, he's come from the old school. Always had a good battle with him. Seems a genuine person who always wears his heart on his sleeve. Maybe give him a bit of time. He might get the dressing room going. I hope. With mm. playing against him and all he's like, he's a solid person. So hopefully he might be the change that just gets a few people on board. Um, well, someone, someone's got to do something. Um, the, the culture doesn't seem right. I don't know. I don't know why. Mm. Something needs to happen behind the scenes in terms of pulling everyone together, um, setting standards, letting people know the truth. Um, it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time. The club needs to come together. Simple as that. It needs to come together because the, the way it is at the minute, people are fragmented. People are saying certain things. I think you mentioned about the board being sacked. Oh, that's, that's, that's not a good thing. I know yeah, it's frustrating. Everyone's got to come together, man. It's, it's the only way you get out of the mess. If people start shooting To a certain off, extent... Yeah, to a certain extent, there needs to be that leadership from the top. Then I can see yeah, people's frustration because you can't, you can't be frustrated that Critchley's been there for mm. fucking like eleven games or whatever. But 
he doesn't come across as being incredibly dynamic. I mean, I know he's obviously a good coach and a good. Yeah. He's got a good um, CV. You know, he's got a good he's CV. He's got a good CV, and he did, you know, he did amazing well with. Uh, well, it's similar to Bale, isn't he? What he did with Liverpool. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if you've heard of him. There's a small club up north somewhere. Yeah, similar past one, I think. But uh, yeah, um, but again, even before um, Beal left, there was, there was a, the, the turning point was the, the results were turning, weren't they? Mm. Yeah, oh god, yeah. So yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't understand. To be honest, I don't know, what, what is what is the expectations for this season? You know, has someone come out and said, "Listen, this is the way it is. This is where we are at the minute." It might take a few years before we get back on board. We might have to um, stay in and around the table. Uh, is, there, is there any communication coming out in terms of what the well, expectations are? Unless I'm wrong, Clint, the start of the season was um, Wolverton take this far as he could, wasn't playing enough kids, they felt that players weren't developing, blah, blah, blah. So the next plan in is to take it to the higher level. That's how mm. it was sold to us as, as fans. Bill, of course, comes in, did brilliantly. But the question that I've in my mind, is, okay, he talked, or didn't talk to, but the news came out about Wills. He obviously knew something was a food at Rangers because he went to see them play Aberdeen. Uh, and, yeah. But also, what came out last week, I don't know if you guys picked up on it with Lee Hughes, he talked to Stoke as well. Mm. So, what what was it? Did he did he come to QPR and think, Jesus, this isn't what I thought it was? Why was he so desperate to get out? That's Maybe. that's weird. No one's thought about that, really. I think no one's thought about why. Why mm. would you want to move after just signing and just just committing yourself to the club? Why is he so desperate to get out of there? <laughs> Listen, I, I I know his affiliation with Rangers and everything, and a uh, difficult move for him. But I didn't I didn't realise the Stoke one. Well, it came out in the podcast last week, and you're thinking it was sort of said, and I stupidly because I'm an idiot, I didn't really pick up on it too much, and then it was only after I listened back to it, so I ah. Why would he do that? I mean, Stoke, odd. I mean, talk about flipping clubs that can kill your reputation, Michael O'Neill. Um, you know, it's it, that's a hard one. But then maybe things. I don't know. It just seems weird, Clint. I mean, what you said about expectations and Nile and stuff for me, I never have any. I just don't want to get relegated. But I'm a very happy chap. Just going to watch QPR home and away and see an effort, see young players develop. Just having a club. We nearly lost it a number of times. Then we got loads of money and we were shied. Mm. Got relegated. Didn't like that. Um, so just yeah. having your club is a, is a main thing. But having something to look forward to. Football's supposed to be about being fun. It's supposed to. I, mean, I know it's different for you because you're a thing. But another thing, I mean, I'm now going back in last week's pub was what Lee Hughes said about Charlie Austin. You know, they, they, they got rid of Charlie because they thought it, he should maybe retire. But he said that wasn't the conversation. Um, but you know what Charlie's like. And then they signed Chris Martin. You know, in the same way they got rid of Barbet, bringing Clark Salter. You know, this seems to be madness doesn't have happen sometimes. Anyway, that that's the sort of things I'm thinking of as as time goes on. We're doing things. We're saying we're going to do one thing and we do another. Do you know what I mean, Clint? I mean, so yeah. you want Austin to retire allegedly, and then you bring in an older player. But it's I mean, always I, a downgrade, isn't it? With Warbs, you know. We, you know, we wanted the next best thing. He'd been here three years or whatever. Always oh, taken us as far as we can go. Let's get the next best thing. Next best thing turns out to be a twat. We go to you look at Johan Barbe. You know what has he played? Ninety six games in a row. He played. Mm. Buddy Clark's alt was going to be out ninety six games in a row. It's like you know, it's, it's wanting the new shiny thing, but forgetting that actually the good old 
Morris Minor in the garage has got, you know, you've got a spanner and you can fix that whenever it goes wrong. Yeah. But yeah, you need a few reliable ones in there. Is it, do you know what? I had a mini ones like that. Anyway, but um, <laughs> I suppose Safa, what before you before we go, we should really talk about how do we fix it. And um, I'm going to bring you Clint in this as well. You've got to think about it. Where do we go from here, Safa? Do we sack the manager? Do we sack the director of football? Do we sack ourselves? Do we sack the tea people? What do we do? How do we fix this? I mean, I, I personally, I mean, I thought when we played, if you're going to look at the manager, I can only on what the job he did at Blackpool which was very good so he's not an idiot is he he knows what he's doing but I must say the football has is as bad as I can recall it's boring me to tears um and for me if they're going to point anything I do think is at the players but I think you've got some really bad attitudes in there I really do and and I I don't think it seems to matter as we said before He's thrown him under the bus. He's put the arm around the shoulder. It doesn't seem to change. You've got the same old faces that are never available or pack it in partway through the game. You know it's going to happen every time. You know, Tyler Roberts at Hull, Ethan Laird the other night. I knew he was good. It's it's the same thing every time. And I don't know, unless you get a character that can get a tune out of them, I don't really know where we go. I'm just praying that we've got enough points that we'll bundle over the line and 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 trying to dressings in the summer but I think any manager has an incredibly tough job I really do um I don't think you're gonna change that and then it will be you know sun and roses and we just fly through for the rest of the season I think we've got a major problem I really do no yeah I agree with that I think to a certain extent you think you know it's almost you know the car analogy again get into limp home mode and get home as best you can. But I do worry that our limp home mode, you know, if, the, if this has been us going for it, our limp home mode isn't going to work at all. And, and avoid think, the potholes. Well, yeah. I mean, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's how far back we seem to have gone. If you think, you know, Dunn and Dickie and Willock, like the three of them spent you know, a good part of last season absolutely flying and playing some great football and, you know, Dickie scoring goals and now, you know, where are those players? They're not there. They just look scared to get the ball. Dickie on Tuesday just slicing everything that came near him. It's, you know, there is a fundamental um, issue in, in the confidence and yeah, to a certain extent, maybe the attitude is it, you know, which one which one comes first, I guess. And uh, and what's caused the slide. But I don't I don't see I don't see Critchley arresting that at the moment. I don't think it's his fault particularly. I'm not convinced that he's the right person to change this though. Oh dear. Bent. Follow that. Without mentioning Nathan Jones. <laughs> oh man, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just that worrying. I mean, you guys have obviously watched a lot more than I have. You've got a lot more inside knowledge than me at the moment. Um, it, it just doesn't sound good. Um, so for me, someone's whoever that is behind the scenes. If it's your director of football, your chairman, your manager, 
whoever someone's got to step up and, and try and take this team by the scruff of the neck and drag it over the line somehow and then stay up, get the job done. And then for me, it needs a clear out because I don't think the culture's right. And if the things, some of the things you're saying there, this is going to keep happening and happening. You need to clear it out. Mm. It needs a clean up. It needs proper people in there on and off the pitch. Um, we not only just care about the club, but know what they're doing. And they know what's, know what's needed in that division because, yeah, uh, I'm worried about some of the things you're saying, lads. I really am. <laughs> I am, well, I really am. We, <laughs> I hope you wouldn't expect us to cheer you up today, by the way, Clint. That's not... <laughs> I'm going to have to have another one now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can just see the headlines in the, in the papers tomorrow. QPR fans drive Clint Hill to alcohol. Um <laughs> His shirt can give me more San Miguel. I mean, I, I think he's perfectly capable of thumbing his own right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know what? Well, I mean, my personal opinion is that I agree with everyone else, which sounds ridiculous, but I think it's a bit of mixed jumping. We need to have calm heads in the boardroom. We need to have calm heads in the dressing room. We need to have calm heads in the coaching staff, but we need accountability. But more importantly, we need heart, passion, and belief. And we're so. I looked at it. I'm, a, I'm an arse. Right. I, I watched the defending again and I know Clint, you know, this is your domain and stuff. But it, there's some things that are happening and, and they're decent players, but like on, on Sugar's it was a case where they're heading backwards towards their own goal and went over the bar and I'm like, what are you doing? And the goals we're conceding, you know, <laughs> we're getting beat by the near post for Senny and stuff, and it's just like that's weird. You know, Senny oh, seems the first to... goal on Tuesday, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, and you just think of yourself like it's just yeah, there's something wrong, but hopefully, hopefully, the cure will be that, like, Clint's... But if we keep doing this, I mean, we, we've had 10 players in, 12 players in, 13 players in every season, and we're still hanging around this, apart from a couple of seasons with Warburton and, and everything else, which, ironically, really, we've gone above that 16th. But, the, Clint, we seem to be finishing at this level every season, you know, it's... It might not be that many, you know what I mean? You just might need to get... Two or three right ones, two or three right yeah. ones who, who set the daily standard, who set it, the example for everybody else. That's all you need because, like I said, dress rooms are, are quiet, they're different now, they're waiting to be led. These dress rooms are waiting to be led. And if you get the right two or three players in there, they will drag people along. And I'm sorry to, to hog your time, Clint, because I'm sure you've got loads more San Miguel's or whatever to drink, but <laughs> we've driven you to it, I do apologise. The main problem we got out here from Les and from Lee Hughes, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing for them, I'm just saying what everyone's talking about them strikers, everyone's talking about them on you know, polished gems. How hard is it at any level to find a striker? Because we don't seem to get strikers to hit double figures very often or at all. And it seems to be scoring goals at Rangers is a hard thing to do. Everybody wants one. Everybody wants that striker, so you're not you're not competing with one or two clubs. You're competing with every club, <laughs> to be honest with you, because everybody wants a 20 goal striker, and so much comes into it. League position, manager comes into it, uh, wages come into it, area you live come into it. So people are fishing in a big, big, big sea now for for one player, you know, and everybody wants that striker. It's hard. It's so hard. And at this stage of the season, what should goal-wise your striker be having? 10, 12, 8, 9? I mean... 
Obviously yeah. not Haaland. You'd like to be double figures, wouldn't you? You'd like to be double figures for sure, but not just him. Everybody needs to chip in. Centre-halves, three or four. Wingers, mm. five. Midfielders, five or six. I don't know. You, you can't just put it all on a striker, can you? Everybody's got to share the load. Um, unless you have an outstanding striker like a child, you might get you 25, 30. Then you can maybe carry a few. But I think everybody's got to chip in somewhere. Um, Charlie's still I'm... playing. I thought he retired. He's the swindling, isn't he? <laughs> We play them soon, I think. So, oh, the county's ground. They're, they're <laughs> roundabouts to put there, Clint, just to oh, send you into this. The worst uh, thing is, I don't know who it's, that. It's, it's, I've never done anywhere like it in my life, to be honest. With you. <laughs> right, before we go, we're going to do an hour's end and a prediction. So I'm going to do it the wrong way around. I'm going to do my prediction first, which is I have no freaking clue what's going to happen Saturday. I saw the result last night that Middlesbrough had. It scared the shit out of me. And I'm staying over there. I'm driving up there from London and I'm insane and I deeply need therapy. But hey-ho, I suppose when you've had the good times, you got to go for the times that aren't so good. And um, my R's end is pull to fucking gather and get out of the shit. No. Yeah, I'm going to echo that sentiment, I think. Um, I mean, as far as R's end goes... Great to speak to you again, Clint. One day it will be under nice circumstances. <laughs> we'll get you back with a flower one day, Clint. We'll get you back and you can but, really enjoy it. Oh, yeah. mate. Sorry, guys. No, it's not I mean, I think, you. Yeah, really. I, I think, you know, I just, I, I would dearly love to see a performance, a team performance, an effort put in. And if we lose 4-1, 5-0, if everyone is putting an effort in and actually making it worthwhile for those poor, God knows, what are you, 700 people that are going to be there? Like, give them something to embrace and cheer and just something to talk about on Sunday when they're hungover and miserable and have to go back home again. <laughs> uh, as far as the prediction goes, yeah, I ain't going there. Sorry. It's, it's either... But yeah, no, it's not. I don't even want to think about it after last night. <laughs> I don't know you were last night, but we were we were there on Tuesday night. Anyway. No, no, no. I mean, after their result last night. I'm joking. I'm just trying to be a clever arse. Don't <laughs> worry, it's me. I'm making an arse out of me, not you. Safa. <laughs> we're going to get slaughtered, aren't we? Let's face it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not hopeful at all. I'm not. Um, I, I I don't. I've My trust in this team is gone completely. Um, a painful day, I think. You don't think we could sneak a one 0 then? You know, I think the thing—if you look at—I've never, I've, I've never played football at any professional level. But if you look at that first goal that we let in—sorry, not the first, the second we let in against Millwall—that what on earth? I look at that and I think, just someone get your head on it. Like I don't know what lads doing. I just it, the mind boggles. And for me, I'm thinking. If you're going into training after that, even with coach anything as a player, we're not going to let that happen again. And then look what we follow up with literally 72 hours later. It's the same thing. So, you know, for me, I've seen that repeated so many times, just week after week, it's just nothing changes. So for me, there's just not that. Unless they suddenly grow a heart, I don't, I just think we're going to keep letting in goals like that. And I just don't see it changing. I don't think personally that's a coaching thing. I, I, I don't know. But I just... 
I've got no hope. Pride, of. doesn't it? Professional pride. Completely. Pride in what you do. Yeah. Pride you in know. the way you carry. If you just watch, I, you know, Dizel, his effort for trying to stop that header. That I know what follows with Dieng is a joke as well, but just watch him. There's just nothing. There's nothing there. Clint, there's no way if you're on the pitch that happens. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Oh, you know? well, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going for Middlesbrough. I'm going to underestimate QPR massively. They're going to take the foot off the pedal. It's going to be a backs of the wall job and it's going to be a fluky 1 0 win and the season turns around, lads. I'm going to have to be positive, aren't I? Um, <laughs> I think we've Someone has no, to be. No, not only we drove them to drink, we've drove them freaking mad. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you know what? I hope you're right, Clint. If you're right, brilliant. Um, and you know what? It, it would be. In the old-fashioned sense of QPR, the most QPR thing to do is go there and win and then almost make yourself safe and then whatever. But yeah, I don't know, mate. It's just, it's just so difficult. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. It's it's so sad because like we, we don't ask... I mean, you've been at Ridge. You're the crackers. I don't think we're bad supporters. I don't think we expect too much of players. We just want a wee bit of, of love from the team and we'll give them love sort of thing. I, I don't know, mate. What do you, what, what, what do you think? Um, us Rangers fans should do um, to help the team. There you go. There's a there's a there's an easy politician's answer for you. <laughs> do you want me to answer this one? Yeah, go on, mate. With uh, yeah. <laughs> um, to be fair, I always thought that the, the fans will get behind you. They will get behind you. They love the number tens. They love the silky players, but they also love a team that gives everything. Leaves everything out on the pitch, puts a few people on the backside, um, and really has to go. So for me, just do that. Just do that. Just bare minimum. Just go out there and play like you've never played before. Give everything you got. The fans will get behind you, and you just never know what happens after that. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Do you know what? As you're saying that, and it wasn't in your QPR days, and I know I mentioned it before <laughs> to you in the live podcast and everything else. The other image I have of you, apart from when you lifted up the playoff final trophy, oh, goddamn days. Oh, can you believe it? <laughs> is when you played Sheffield Wednesday, I think you were at Palace away. Yes. And the, the Wednesday fans come on the pitch. All the Palace fans are literally down in tunnel. And you're like, I'm not going anywhere. I shall, I shall walk at my normal pace. And I was <laughs> and you were not bothered at all. I mean, that was insane. Yeah, I got a few digs that day as well, didn't I? I think you did. You might have accidentally. Like a few hours, well, yeah. To be fair, but uh, yeah, <laughs> proper football days, mate, weren't they? Uh, you know, they're buggers Wednesday. When we went up, they weren't too happy about it either. They've got a real chip in the shoulder about teams doing well if they're not called Sheffield Wednesday, yeah. even if they've got no way or no word of going up. But um, listen, you are you are missed at Rangers big time, mate, and you'll always be welcome. And don't put yourself. I know you're not. But, you know, we talk about the Adels and we talk about this and that and you you as much loved as they are and you always will be. And we've got to catch up one day and have a proper beer. Yeah, and, definitely, um, definitely, yeah, definitely. and I'm sorry for driving you to drink tonight. I really am. I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll watch this dog put results. <laughs> For those who can't see, he's just took a big swig. Um, I'll watch the stock put result on Saturday and hopefully you'll do well as well, mate. So good luck yes, on Saturday see. and um, good luck to the season. Turns hope it turns around. Fingers crossed for Saturday. Cheers, big man. Thank you. Well, this has been up all ours. Now and Safa, thank you. And um, um, yeah, I hope it w- I'm sorry it wasn't as cheerful as people want, but 
we're bloody honest. Thank you guys for being honest. Thank you for coming and giving your time and hopefully Rangers will turn things around and Saturday we can get a result. Thank you everyone for coming and um, come on Rangers, just fuck up the borough. You are.